We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. is going to help us a lot. But I want to encourage you, before I even get into it, I encourage you to lean in this morning. Lean into not what I'm saying, but what the Word of God is saying. Um, you might miss everything that I say and that comes up. That, that's fine. As long as you keep in mind the scriptures that are going to be up on this screen, I guarantee your life will change. Because that is the way that the, God, the, the Word of God actually works, is it does not return void. Amen. And it pierces our hearts. And I believe that today your heart can change if you just lean in. Amen. So let's lean in this morning. Uh, let, me, let me read to you the scripture, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to get into it. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is going to be our core scripture this morning. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, the, for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house gathered here today. God, we don't take this for granted. We know that there's other places in this world where people are not able to do this, Father, but we have a building and a place where we can gather and come and lift up your name. So we thank you for that, God. Lord, we also just pray in this moment for, for, for the hearts that are here today, Lord. We pray that everybody that is uh, able to hear, Lord, may they not only hear, but be able to remember your word and bury it in their hearts, Lord, to be able to live it out in their lives, God. I pray that you change us and transform us from the inside out today. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 and amen. Um, I love to start with a little story, and I got a lot of stories, because life is fun. And if you don't remember your stories, man, you, you, you need to go back and write some stuff down. Um, but this actually happened last week, I believe. And um, how many people here, raise your hand if you are a heavy sleeper. Raise your hand if you, like, like if, if, like, you know what I'm talking about? When you fall asleep, you fall asleep. And, like, you don't wake up until the morning. I know there's people here that wake up six, seven times a night, and I pray for y'all. You got to go to the bathroom every two hours. I pray for you as well. Uh, that's my wife. I don't hear her, though. I don't hear her. She tells me I got up five times. I don't, I don't know any of that because I am asleep. And uh, I'm a very, very heavy sleeper, which is not always the safest thing either. I guess some people are light sleepers because they got to guard their house. Me, as the man of the house, I'm, I'm sleeping through it. If somebody breaks in, I'm sleeping through it. Have, have your fun. I'll find out in the morning what you took. Um, <laughs> but I, I am a very heavy sleeper. And a lot of times my wife tells me when I wake up that I did certain things. Maybe, first of all, I'm, I snore, okay? Forgive me. Forgive me for being human. I snore a little bit here and there. Maybe a lot. But I, I snore, and my wife doesn't love that. So in the morning, she's like, oh, you kept me up all night. You were snoring. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know how I can control that. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've tried things, guys. I've definitely tried some things. They don't work. None of them work. I'm not putting a whole machine on my face. That no, I'm not doing that. I need to sleep. And, uh, well, she's learned to put up with it. But one thing that I've come to uh, find out in the most recent years is I've been doing a lot of, like, sleep talking. Okay, where, like, we'll have full-out conversations and I don't remember any of it. Okay, anybody like that? Raise your hand if you can relate to that. Okay, maybe two of y'all. Thank you that I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. Well, apparently we've been having full-out conversations. Uh, and, and then she tells me in the morning, like, do you remember this happening? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. So last week, okay, last week I always fall, I always fall asleep with my phone under my pillow because if I don't hear it in my ear, I will not wake up. It's on vibrate. But if I don't hear it, I will not wake up. So I have it under my pillow. I have it plugged in. And in the morning, I wake up, and Jordan looks at me and goes, 
did you realize your phone was unplugged? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, but I didn't think anything of it. And she's like, we talked yesterday, like in the middle of the night. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, in the middle of the night, I turned to her out of nowhere, dead asleep, 2 a.m. probably. I turned to her with my phone, like grabbed it aggressively. And I was like, this is your crisis. Now, mind you, imagine you're sleeping, okay, and the person laying next to you wakes you up with their phone waving at your face saying, this is your crisis. And she looks at me, she's like, what? And I was like, this is your crisis. My eyes are wide open, by the way, which is the scariest thing. I don't remember any of it. I'm like, this is your crisis. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, ah, this is your crisis. And, and, And she looks at me, she goes, are you sleeping? And I go, apparently, I said, oh, never mind. And I just turned over, put my phone away again, under my pillow, exactly where it was, but didn't plug it in. So she tells me the story the next day, and I was just dying laughing. So why do I tell you that Randall story? Not like you care, uh, but I, I believe that today you and I are living in the middle of a crisis. And I believe that was probably a prophetic word, maybe a little bit, of, of the fact that we are in this moment, in this generation, We are living through a crisis. And I know that there's a lot going on. Trust me, I understand there's a lot going on in the world. A lot of things that you might consider to be bigger than this. But I believe that a core issue, a core crisis that we are dealing with as a country, as a world, as a generation today, we are dealing with an identity crisis. We are are living through an identity crisis. See, where does our, our, our identity actually come from? Because I know that it's a, it's a big word, right? I mean, it, it can really encompass a lot. But, you know, I, I did a message recently in the back for our, for our middle schoolers, uh, for Ignited J High. Shout out Ignited J High. They're having service, second service. And, uh, and, and I was talking to them about identity. And I was talking about the fact that our feelings don't dictate our decisions, right? And, and, I, and I, I grabbed the youth and I brought her up on stage and I had her draw a rock on a piece of paper. And I said, you see this rock? She's like, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, it's a pretty cool rock, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a cool rock. Well, what if this rock all of a sudden one day decided, you know what? Today, I don't feel like a rock. I feel like an apple. And I was like, well, what do you do then, right? I mean, you created, you drew this thing to be a rock, but for some reason, the rock today feels like an apple. And all of a sudden, it's mad at you because you created it to be a rock. But what this rock does not realize is that this rock was actually meant to be a a part of a bigger story where David was going to pick up this rock one day and throw it at a giant. But because the rock wanted to be an apple, it ended up at a grocery store without purpose. And the first person that bit the rock broke their teeth because they realized it wasn't an apple. Because when you are broken, you end up hurting people because you're not living with identity. So... So I started to talk to them about this identity issue. The reality is that our identity comes from our creator. It comes from our creator. You and I, we do not have the right to say who we are because we did not create ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying today? I know that some, some of y'all, like, when you, when you have kids, you feel that a little bit. Like, I can tell you what to do because I made you, right? Ultimately, God made them, but, but just imagine God who created all. He has to say of our identity. God gave us free will because that was the requirement for true love and relationship. But in our free will, we often choose to follow our feelings and our emotions. And we choose to live out of feelings. What I'm feeling today, how I'm feeling today, what I'm thinking today, what I heard today, this is how I'm going to live my life. But that cannot be your identity because you weren't created with that identity. 
See, the problem is we as a creation think we know who we are and what our purpose is without going to the creator. But we don't realize that we are only a piece of the puzzle of creation. And until you realize that you're only a piece of the puzzle, you're going to be trying to fit into the wrong puzzle your whole life. And you are going to live an unfulfilled life because you are not going to the creator to let you know where you're supposed to fit in. And that is an issue today. That is a crisis today that we are living through. If we don't understand our purpose in the creator's eyes, we cannot, I'm going to say that again, we cannot live fulfilling lives. Trust me, I've tried. Hello, anybody else? I've tried to live a fulfilling life outside of God's will, outside of God's wisdom. I've tried to do it my way. And believe me, it looked good on Instagram. It looked good on Facebook. It looked good on pictures and videos. But I was miserable inside because I was not fulfilled until I met Jesus. That is when I experienced real fulfillment. Until you realize that your identity is found in Christ, you will live an unfulfilling life. It's just what it is. And I got a quick PSA for parents because I'm a youth pastor and it's a must, if I may. Stop letting the school system, stop letting social media, and stop letting their friends dictate their identity. Identity starts at home. It starts at home. Do not expect a school to teach your children who they are supposed to be. Do not expect the pastors to teach your children who they're supposed to be. Identity starts at home. Do y'all realize back in the day they didn't have youth pastors? <laughs> it was the parents' responsibility. The parents were being taught by the leaders. It was the parents' responsibility to teach their children. That is why raise up a, ch a child in the way they should go. When they grow old, they will not depart from it. It is your responsibility. Until your child knows God for themselves, you are God's megaphone into their lives. Stop confusing age with maturity. We can't do this. It is your responsibility to speak and declare God's identity over them. And if you don't do it, hear me out. If you don't do it, parents, someone else will. If you don't speak God's identity over your children, someone else will. Believe me, because the schools are trying, the friends are trying, social media is trying, influencers are trying to grab their attention and pull them in a direction that is against God's will. But let me tell you something. It is not until the church of Christ stands up and begins to declare true identity over their children that we will begin to see a shift in this crisis. But it starts at home. It starts at home. And not, I'm not just talking about your children. I'm talking about yourself as well. Take responsibility for your own identity as well. Stop letting things around your world, your circumstances, shift your, your mind about what you actually believe. Stop being like the waves going back and forth. Stand firm in your faith and stand firm in the identity that God has given you. Because it is God who gave it to you, your creator. Who are we to change it? Who are we to shift Nowadays, our identity is just built on feelings and emotions and, and friends and, and social media and what's going on in the world. But today, I want to speak to you guys about who God says you are. Amen. In Christ, number one, if you're taking notes, in Christ, I am complete. I am complete. In Christ, I am complete. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. It is through Christ and him alone that we are made full, that we are made complete. 
I got news flash for you. Some of y'all believe that you were made complete the moment you got married. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible says that two became one. But two had to be individuals to become one. You're not made complete in marriage. You're not made complete in relationships. You're not made complete when you have a child. You see, the problem is that when we start to put these expectations on people, on other human beings, that they are going to complete our lives, it is when we end up unfulfilled because you're trying to make a person your God. And that'll never work. That will never work. You know, I see, I, I see, well, it's not as popular nowadays, but I used to see a lot of captions on Instagram like, you complete me, right? Or you are everything to me. What they're saying is, I, I, I can't live without you. I can't live without you. But they're also showing their identity is found in someone else. And there is such a negative, I don't have time to get into this right now, but there's such a negative connotation when it comes to singleness in the Christian world in general. But singleness is a blessing. I'm going to say it again. Singleness is a blessing. And stop looking at it as just a season. Amen. I don't have time to get into this, but if you want to read about singleness and a blessed life, look into the Apostle Paul. People try to find themselves in other people and rush into unhealthy relationships for the sake of fitting the identity of a modern Christian. This happens in the church too. You see, I'm I'm a young adults pastor. I got married when I was 22. Some people look at that and it's like, Dude, that's so young. But in the Christian world, that's late. <laughs> it's like, yo, you bet, hey, you got to be out of high school, man. Like, you, you, you should be three kids deep by now. <laughs> but it's true. It's, 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 a, it's a joke and we laugh about it, but it's, there's this stigma and there's this, this stereotype around, you know, living in a, in, in a Christian environment. And you understand that, hey, marriage happens quick and, and kids come quick and all of a sudden everything's moving. Can I encourage some people that, you know, maybe you have not found that person yet. Maybe you have not shifted into that next season of life. Can I encourage you real quick? Please, 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 please hear me out. Marriage is not everything. Kids are not everything. Your relationship with God is what matters most in this season of your life right now. And it will when you're married. And it will, you know, I hear people all the time chasing after their future self so hard. They're chasing after a relationship. They're chasing after children. And also, you know what? I'm praying for you. Believe me. But when, when you are chasing after something so hard that you forget your identity is not found in that person, when you get there, again, you will make them your God. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen people shift away when they get married shift away from God. I've seen people have kids and all of a sudden their kids are their whole life and they stop serving God and they stop helping each other out and they stop being a part of the church because they believe that their church is just their home but that's just a piece of it. That's just a piece of it. See you are complete. That is what God says. You are made complete. Sometimes it's not relationships that we chase after but it's materialistic things. It's an identity that we see online, or it's an identity that we start to compare ourselves to other people, and we see how they're living, and we're like, well, well they, they seem a lot happier. Can I tell you, happy and joy are different things. Happy is a moment, it's a feeling. Joy is something that comes from God, something that we can experience regardless of our circumstances. I would rather have joy in the storm than be happy through the best season of my life, knowing that I'll be miserable when everything goes away. I need to have God's joy in my life. That's what I need to experience. So it's not things that are going to make you complete. It's you understanding who you are in Christ that will actually complete you. Amen. So we chase after all these things. Whatever you find your identity in, it's become your God. Ask yourself in this moment, where does my identity come from? Where does my identity come from? 
We are made complete in Christ. So that's number one. Number two, in Christ, I am enough. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you're not encouraged by that, in Christ, you are enough. You are more than enough in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are enough. We are a masterpiece. Come on, look at the person next to you. Call him masterpiece real quick. And if you don't know him like that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's awkward, but it's true. It's a fact. You better receive it. You are a masterpiece. But there's a difference between reading the scripture and actually believing it. Because a lot of us read scripture and comes in one ear and out the other, and it, we, we don't, it doesn't look like we believe it based on the way that we are living. But if you are living like you are enough, you're not seeking approval from men. If you are living like you are enough in Christ, you are not seeking approval from men. It does not matter what someone does say or does not say about you because Jesus already spoke something over you. He already said that you're more than enough. He's loved you enough to die for you. So you're not looking for the approval of someone else. See, our insecurities are magnified. They are magnified whenever we go through a shift in life. Whenever we go into uh, um, parenthood, right? I remember going through parenthood and being like, who the heck am I <laughs> to be a dad? And then I remember, you know, going into marriage and thinking, who am I to be a husband? And our insecurities all of a sudden are magnified because you realize now it's not just about you. You brought someone else into your life. You brought someone else into your equation. But can I remind you of something? In Christ, you are enough. In Christ, you have been made for the season that you are in right here, right now. And I, I loved it. Yesterday, my, my wife and I went to visit a, a young couple that just had a ch uh, their first child. And she was encouraging the mother and, and, and just with tears coming down, she was just you know, speaking life into her and letting her know, hey, you were made for this season. You were made for this child. You were made. It doesn't matter what someone else is doing on social media. It doesn't matter what someone else has told you. You were made for her. Just like I'm going to tell you today, you were made to be that parent. You, you were made to be their parents. I know that sometimes they don't listen to you. I know that sometimes it feels like they don't want you in the house. You were made to be their parent, and you are enough as a parent. Just like you might not feel that in your marriage either. I just feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I'm the lesser half. Let me tell you something. You are enough. Start seeking God and start bringing God into your relationship and watch as God transforms you from the inside out. But everything that we do on the outside, let me tell you, it won't change what's happening on the inside. We have to seek God with an honest heart. You are enough. You are enough. If you live by the world's approval, you will die by the lack of it. When you believe the lies of the enemy, you start to sell yourself short. When you believe that you're not enough, when you believe that you don't have what it takes, when you believe that it's better to just give up, you start to sell yourself short. But that's not who God called you to be. That's not what God has spoken over you. The enemy's job is to make you question this scripture that we just read. Are you really God's masterpiece? Do you really have what it takes? Are you really enough for that kid? Are you really able to do this? Are you really able to step into the next season? Yes, you are. Because in Christ, I am more than enough. With God, there is nothing that I can't do. Alone, listen, alone, the enemy's right. I can't. 
I can't. I cannot do this alone. But in Jesus, I am an overcomer. In Jesus, I already have the victory. In Jesus, I can get through this. In Jesus, I can continue. I can keep pushing forward, but it is found in Jesus. Amen. So number two, I am enough. Number three, I hope this encourages somebody today. I am blessed. Come on, somebody. I am blessed. In Jesus, in Christ, I am blessed. James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, of the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial. See, as Christians, we're bound to experience trials in this life. We're bound to experience suffering. We're bound to experience difficulty. But the Bible clearly states that in these trials, we can experience blessing. We can experience a state of blessing because a blessed life is not dependent on your circumstances. See, a lot of people see, see, see that point and they say, I am blessed. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't feel like I'm blessed because you see my finances. You should see my budget right now. I don't feel like I'm blessed. Again, blessings, uh, uh, a blessed life is not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on your feelings. It's not dependent on what's going on around you. A blessed life is dependent on what God has already spoken over you. Amen. So it doesn't, like, I know it doesn't look like I'm blessed, but I'm blessed. See, the world has a, a, a wrong idea of what a blessed life actually looks like. If you thought the apostles in, in the New Testament were blessed, man, nowadays they'd be looked at someone just walking across the street with no shoes, barefoot, just, just trying to get by, just trying to get by. But they were blessed. In their suffering, they were blessed. Why? Because they had already been redeemed. They had already been transformed by Jesus. They knew where their eternity was. And they weren't worried about these circumstances that we experience here on earth. Now, I, I understand life is hard, y'all. It is hard. Can I get an amen from anybody? Life is not easy. But you're still blessed. You are still blessed. You are still blessed. And that's what God has spoken over you. Stand firm under trial and watch as God moves in your life. See, the blessing is not in overcoming the storm, but rather in how you remain in the storm. I don't have time to go into the story, but there's a story in the Bible where Jesus actually is in the boat with his disciples, and they're crossing on the water, and, and all of a sudden, the storm breaks out, and, and, and everyone's kind of like freaking out. All the disciples are like, Jesus, Jesus, and he's, he's knocked out. He's sleeping. He's, he's snoozing. He pressed snooze on, on, on the alarm, and he's got a pillow. Like, he's, he's just out. And, and they're trying to wake him up, and, and finally he wakes up, and he's like, why are you guys freaking out? And obviously not like this. This is the modern Marco version of the Bible, of the story. <laughs> but, but, but he's like, he, he, he questions their faith. And, and you know what's crazy is I think a lot of us, that's how, exactly how we are when it comes to trials in life. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're going through at home. I don't know what you're, what you're going through in your finances, with the, in your marriage, with your children, whatever it might be, in your job. I don't know what it is you're going through. But what if instead of choosing to freak out, we choose to be at peace and sleep like Jesus did. What, what if we look at what Jesus did in the middle of a storm as an example of how we ought to respond knowing that God is in control of our lives? When, when, we, when, when we lose control in the middle of a storm, it shows that we, do not, that, that we think we are in control and that God's not in control. 
because we're trying to fix it. Trust me, I'm a fixer. Anybody else like me, I'm a fixer. Like when, when someone's upset, I try to fix it. When, when there's something going on in my life, I try to fix it because I like to feel at peace. But let me tell you something. Feeling at peace because you are a fixer does not compare to experiencing godly peace when everything seems to be falling apart, but I know God's got me. I know God's coming through. I know it doesn't look like it, but God is on the way. And things are going to shift. But that peace, it does not come from what's going on in your world. It comes from God and God alone. How about instead of freaking out, you choose to take a nap? <laughs> Just like Jesus did. Choose to rest in the knowledge that God is good and that God is faithful and that he's got you. I know it's easier said than done. But sometimes it's exactly what you need. To let your guard down and surrender everything to God. And be reminded that he is in control. Amen. Listen, you could be broke and still be blessed. You could be single and still be blessed. Amen? It's not about what you have, but whose you are. My next point, I am gifted. I am gifted. I am gifted. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, I hear this all the time. Pastor Marco, I'm not good at anything. <laughs> I'm not good at anything. I couldn't even say it because I, just, I don't believe it. Like, I'm not good at anything. I'm not, I'm not gifted in the area. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know how to serve God. But first of all, you serve by just doing. You serve by just showing up. You serve by just being willing and opening your heart and allowing God to do something in your life. And just, you know, where there's a need, there, are, there should be hands there that are willing to serve. But, you know, we, we think about all these things. You know, I think, unfortunately, in the church, we have... Um, we have sort of boxed in what a gift looks like. And I, and I think a lot of times we think of people that are gifted as the people that stand here on stage. But let me tell you something. There's some people in this room who are gifted, who have incredible giftings, who I've met, who's never stepped on this stage once. But they are gifted. My goodness. And the way that they share their gift with other people, the way that they pour into other people. I wish I had some of that. I wish, I, and I pray to God, man, like some people are, you know what's crazy? Some people are gifted to gift. Some people just love to give. They are givers. They're incredible givers. And they give to others, so many others. And that's a gift, y'all. Like I'm talking about in their misery, they're giving. In their brokenness, they're giving. But they've never stepped on stage. Stop boxing God into what you think is a gift and allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. And watch as he begins to move. See, the problem is you're looking for a gift that will glorify you, not God. Sheesh. God is looking for servants after his own heart, whom he can entrust gifts to knowing, knowing they will serve him and not the gift. Pastor Chad just preached an amazing message on uh, King Solomon and how he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom to lead the Israelites. He didn't ask for wisdom to look smart. He didn't ask for wisdom to look good in front of other kings. He asked for wisdom to lead people well. What are you asking God for? I don't, I, I, he preached an incredible message. You got to go back this last week. It was so, so good. But what, what, where's your heart at? What's your heart's posture when seeking these gifts from God? You know, I, uh, I remember when Pastor Joe and I first took over Ignited and Revolve, and this was six, six years ago now. 
six years ago, I think. Yeah, right before Summerfest. Six years ago, which is crazy. It flies by. It might be seven. Who knows? Um, but I remember we took over it, and, and obviously Pastor Chad had transitioned into the main side as a senior pastor, and, and he was leading in worship here. He was leading in worship back there, but no longer, right? So so we lost one guitar player, and then we lost another guitar player, and I was like, okay, we don't have a band now. <laughs> like, I mean, we had, I, don't, I, I think Peter was starting to play bass, and, and we did have Matt, who's always been there. Matt, you're faithful. You are gifted, brother. You are incredible. Man, you have sown the seed in this in this house. You are rooted, brother. Thank you. Um, and and we had we had a drummer and we had a bass, and uh, and we had um, some people that were coming to help out here and there. Uh, but eventually, I realized like, hey man, like we gotta figure something out. <laughs> like we can worship God with drums all we want. It's gonna sound good. Trust me, Matt's really good. But uh, but maybe we had a little something in there. You know, God asked for harps and strings, and then maybe we add some strings into the mix and. And I remember I, I bought like an $80 guitar one day and I was like, I'm just going to learn something. <laughs> and I started looking up the songs that we were playing and I started just learning like three chords, four chords. And, and I have people today, right? This is six years ago. I have people today that come up to me like, Pastor Mark, you are, you're gifted in, in, in worship. Thank you for leading us in worship. And I think to myself, I've never set out to be a worship leader. I set out to serve God. And in that God has really done something amazing in my life. And it's not, it's, it's, I mean, it really has been God moving in my life. Just like I've seen it with other people, with Christian helping out in the back. I've seen it with so many other people who were just willing to serve God in the middle of a need. And they said, God, I might not be gifted, but here's where I step in. And you know what's crazy? Some people learn their gift in the process. That some people just learn their gift because they see a need and they see somebody, man, no, no one's holding the door. I'm going to go hold the door and smile because I know somebody needs a smile this morning as they're walking into church because they just got laid off. And I need to let them know that God is for them and that God is with them. And that's a gift, y'all. That's a gift. You might not see it in the moment, but that's a gift. Some of y'all, you've learned your gift in your prison. You learned your gift through going through storm seasons in your life, through going through some dark uh, uh, times in your life. You have grown to be gifted and compassionate for other people beyond what anybody else could imagine because you understand what it's like to be down and to not have anybody else to help you up. Maybe that is your gift. You learned your gift in your prison. But whatever it is, man, stop, stop seeking for the stage. Start looking for where you can serve, for where you can be a hand to help and watch as God moves. Amen? And as I close, as I close, my last point. So you are gifted. And in Christ, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Amen. Come on, if you receive that, I am redeemed. Yes, sir. I am redeemed. I mean, I remember when I, when I first got saved, when I found God. You know, it's crazy because I hear a lot of people say, man, when God found me. And, and, you know, everyone's got a different way of saying it. But God was always there. I just had my eyes closed, and I wasn't looking for him. I was running away from God so fast. Because <laughs> I, had, I had grown up in the church, right? I, I, I thought I was saved because my parents went to church. Let me tell you, you don't, Pastor Chad says this all the time, you don't ride on anybody's coattails into heaven. You got to have a personal relationship with God. And uh, I thought I was saved, <laughs> And it wasn't until one day I was driving home and I was going back to school and, and I, had, I had been coming to Metro for a little while. And I was riding home and I started to listen to that song, I Can Only Imagine. It's an old school. It's a goodie. Listen to it on the way home. And I had listened to that song a million times. But it hit me different this time. 
And I was like, just listening to it, and I started crying. Okay, now ever since I became a Christian, I cry every other week. Like it just—it's just what happens. You get—you you get more in tune with who you are, and uh, and you realize that you're broken, and you realize you need God. And that hard exterior—you can put a show for anybody else but God, because He knows you well. And I started crying. I broke down, and I just—I started praying out to God. And I said, God, I'm just—I am broken, and I don't know what to do. I need you, God. I'm, I'm running away from you, but I know that you've called me to more than this, to more than what I know. I'm trying to fill the gap. I'm trying to look for happiness and joy and all these other worldly things and people and, 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 and drugs and alcohol, and I'm just trying to fill the void that is found in my identity, in my creator. And I was trying to be someone that I wasn't meant to be. I was exhausted. But I love this Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I remember when I was driving home that day and I said, God, I know that I'm broken. God, how can I fix this? God, I just, let me fix it. I'm a fixer, God. I can, I can make this right. I can change all these things. I can try to be the best man ever. I can, I can fix it, God. And I just remember God saying, you don't have to because I did. And Jesus, you can't pay for that kind of grace. You know what changed me? It wasn't a, a command. It wasn't uh, something that was forceful. What changed me was realizing that God loved me and died for me. Jesus loved me and died for me in my brokenness, in my sin. So come on, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. See, we cannot repay God. The only thing you can do is embrace his grace. I don't know what you've been through in life. You might have some, some muddy footprints behind you, some dirt in your fingernails from the messy places that you've been. You may have been through some stuff, but can I encourage you today? Do not let your footprints dictate your steps. Your past is your past. And in this moment, you have an opportunity to find your real identity in your creator. The Bible says that we are all sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That you're not perfect, and God is. As imperfect humans, we don't have the ability to just access God. But we do through Jesus. See, the Bible says that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life and to die the death that you and I should have experienced because that was the price to pay for sin. Before Jesus, it was sinless blood from animals that had to be sacrificed for sins. But Jesus paid the price once and for all. 
And if you want to find your true identity, if you want to truly understand your purpose here on this earth, let me tell you, you ain't going to find it on, on, online. You're not going to find it through your friends. You're not going to find it through your marriage. You're not going to find it in your kids. Your purpose is found in your creator. So if that's you, if you want to make that decision to accept Jesus into your heart, to declare today that he is your Lord and Savior, that he died and resurrected for you so that you could once again be connected to the Father and have eternity in your future with God. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.